फ्रेंड्स टुडे वी आर अगेन गोइंग टू हैव अ कॉन्वर्सेशन विद लेफ्टिनेंट जनरल शॉकिंग चौहान हु हैज मेड टाइम फॉर अस ऑन द करंट यूक्रेन रशिया वॉर लेफ्टिनेंट जनरल शॉकिंग चौहान डजेंट नीड एनी इंट्रोडक्शन फॉर दैट मैटर बट फॉर आर लिस्टर्स आई विल से दैट ही हैड द आई वुड से प्रिविलेज टू कमांड द ओल्डेस्ट strike core in india and also he was part of the bella fondla operation lieutenant general chahan was appointed as the chairman of the ceasefire monitoring group in august 2018 and uh, he also has a unique experience apart from serving the army being part of the eastern the western front in kashmir he was also the deputy director of strategic affairs in the perspective planning directorate of the indian army he was responsible for formulating qualitative requirements for the strategic induction uh, of equipment in in army and he also led military forums and delegations to consider like united states of america pacific command hawaii israel turkey italy south africa myanmar bhutan and bangladesh so he is a very he has a very rich cv and sort of a, a 180 degree experience of uh, uh, army counter terrorism operation and uh, another unique experience he has is that uh, he led the team which had a basic practice with the russian forces so i would uh, i would say that we would focus on the military issues a lot of people have written about foreign policy they have written about finlandization or kekikon pahekivi accord which finland uh, had to sign with russia after the winter wars of 1939 and 11% of the territory had to be ceded they had to give transit rights and it was limited sovereignty because they could not uh, ever take independent foreign decisions till soviet union was there and just for the historical perspective that finland was actually uh, annexed by the russian empire so there are a lot of areas when we say that why is russia interested there russia is interested because it was part of the empire which broke away after the uh, revolution but it doesn't mean that these new nationalities do not have a voice and their independence like ukraine these are new countries but they indeed they are countries which believe uh, in themselves so now very soon i will be uh, joined by lieutenant general chauhan who's a minute late and uh, as i said uh, the focus of the discussion would be why this nuclear posture by russia why have they gone uh, to take over cities and this has an uh, you know this has an analogy as well when india fought a war in bangladesh indian army actually chose to avoid cities and went to dhaka and when uh, they when the battle with the east pakistan happened we attacked dhaka the dhaka fell east pakistan fell and the day dhaka fell bangladesh was born so uh janu chauhan thank you so much uh, for making time is here uh, please unmute yourself and uh, i would like to uh, begin this conversation with you uh, by this very uh, simple question sir why such hard nuclear posturing by russia uh, first they were combat ready and now the russian nuclear deterrence has been put on high alert why sir uh i you know good evening to you uh, i hope you're doing well everything is well 
you you were traveling actually so, yes sir yeah the issue about nuclear posturing and you said the word posturing is just that at the moment it's posturing it is telling nato that look don't come any closer i know that you're helping out ukraine and i know you're giving them a great deal of help but i have a larger arsenal and a larger weapon in my hands so please don't do anything that you wouldn't want me to use my nuclear uh, i i am certain that uh, president putin or the russian military forces have no intention of using uh, the their nuclear option but like i said the last time uh, uh, kartik they are capable of using it they have they have used tactical nuclear weapons uh, they practiced with it they have uh, made it a part of their uh, operational readiness and therefore they have said that our nuclear weapons are in operational readiness and they, that has been confirmed to president putin this morning by the uh, russian uh, defense defense uh, minister but at so why do you say Absolutely. so why sorry i am interrupting you yes. you you said they are capable of using nuclear weapons can you please just elaborate on that sir the issue is karthik that when you look at the russian brigades the russian motorized brigade in the russian motorized formations that move uh, you know they these motorized brigades have the nuclear arsenal with them that means in all their uh concepts of doing battle uh russian motorized brigades or russian military formations carry their nuclear weapons with them uh and that's exactly what i meant that the the use of nuclear weapons may be maybe you know uh the, the the control of nuclear weapons may be at the highest level but their offensive formations carry tactical nuclear weapons with them and i as i said last time they have practiced and they have drilled with the use of weapons of these weapons and if pushed to the corner i feel the russians could well use their tactical nuclear weapons so you're saying that if pushed to a corner russians can use their tactical nuclear weapons but why have they chosen to attack cities In last conversation i had you gave the example of bangladesh but russia seems to be converging on cities rather than avoiding it uh kartik i would request you to look at the map for this okay uh they have not really gone to cities they've gone to certain important cities like for example if you if you take if you take your uh, you know views or take your eyes to the southernmost part from where uh from crimea and from uh the the the, the lohans and uh kharson when they are moving upwards you would notice that they have only contacted the city they have not entered the cities then you go further eastward and you see from both from belarus and from uh and and southward once again the russians have contacted city that means they are isolating the city in 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 warfare the idea of isolation is to cut it off and for that you need to go to certain important points of the city and make sure that no uh, reinforcements can enter but other than that there is no street to street fighting 
whatever you hear or whatever you're hearing from the ukrainian side or from the other other side you you can be clear of one thing that the russians have not entered the streets they are isolating the cities they're cutting it off from all the sides they're ensuring that more reinforcements can come in and what we call investment what is investment that is when you put in the sources to make sure that city falls because nothing else can come in so that's what the russians are doing they're isolating the cities in the first phase then they will invest it and make sure that the city falls once no re- reinforcements can come so i've studied this in detail actually all their movements i've studied in detail Khar- whether you talk of kharkiv or you're talking of uh, kiev or you're talking of all the other cities russians have just gone on the outskirts and have have isolated these cities but they have not gone inside hello can you hear uh, me general i can hear you now yes okay my question was that uh, can you please cut through the clutter uh, wall street journal new york times economist the guardian they have reported that the russians have slowed down and they have not been able to advance you have practiced with the russians you have studied it uh, is it a deliberate response or or have they really met a ferocious resistance from the ukrainians or is it a tactic can you explain it to us what is happening uh, through the open source intelligence which is available to all of us kartik i i i specified on this the last time i spoke and i said that after 2 to 3 days or 4 days the russians will have a pause it will be a logistic pause it will it will be a tactical pause the logistic pause is now they are waiting they, their forces have advanced from from the north the forces have advanced to kyiv they have started investing or isolating the ukrainian capital of kyiv now they are waiting for their logistic elements to fetch up uh, so that's the first thing secondly the ceasefire talks are on in uh, belarus they have again they are posturing out there telling belarus telling uh, ukraine that look we can get inside your capital we are not doing it because we are allowing you the chance to either surrender or announce a ceasefire with our terms so at each point the issue was that they would be uh, a, you know the forces would move for 2 to 3 days after that they would take a pause then look at phase 2 of the operations if whether in phase 2 they decide to enter the cities or they decide only to invest the cities is is it is 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 one decision or uh, a decision that uh, president putin will take but my my take on this would be that he will not get inside the cities to do street to street fighting he will merely cut the cities off from all the sides and ensure that the city falls like a ripe fruit once he desires that city to fall so is it, uh, i think there's a little problem of strength of network on your phone can you move towards uh, an a- area in your house where the network is slightly strong because we lost last 2 minutes of your conversation 1 minute karthik let me just see i i think it should be fine now isn't it can you hear me i i better so can you conclude the last part of uh, the uh, answer <laughs> see uh, karthik as i had said last time the russians would move in the first 3 days or 4 days after that they would take a tactical pause now why are they taking this pause this pause is being taken for one to allow the logistics to fetch up and join the armored columns secondly there are ceasefire talks in belarus 
when you are carrying out ceasefire talks or peace talks, you have to have a posturing point at which you posture. Here they are telling the, the, the Ukrainian uh, people who come to discuss the ceasefire with them that look, we are we have invested your capital or we have isolated your capital. No one can come in now. And we don't need to get inside your city. Because once we invest it or isolate it, nothing can come in, no reinforcement come in. And we just have to wait for a time at which your city collapses and falls in our hands. So this is the issue about pauses. Phase one, Russians have done exactly what they wanted to do. And now they're pausing for one or two days. And in phase two, to my mind, they will decide which cities to invest in Iceland. Definitely, since they've already contacted the outskirts of the of the capital, Kyiv is one place, but they will definitely uh, invest. Sir, as of now, they have not completely cut off Ukrainian access to the Sea of Azov between uh, Maripol and Odessa. Yeah. Both have been attacked. Any special reason as to why uh, they have not done it? Uh, Karthik, if you look at the map, he doesn't need to do that anymore. Once he's encircled the capital, then he's looking at only the capital. The idea was to first have shallow bridgeheads. That means to come inside, create a shallow firm base from where he can launch the next phase of his attack. That is done. And from Belarus, Kiev was so close that he contacted the outer defenses of Kiev. And he's moving his forces both from the north, also from the east, to towards Kiev. So once he carries out the complete encirclement of Kiev, then the Ukrainian capital falls. The rest of the forces simply don't matter after that. And to my mind, Karthik, this is what the Russians had planned from the beginning. They had planned to encircle the capital, stay outside, and then carry out what he wants to do, the peace talks, and to ensure that he has a posturing situation from where he can posture and say, look, I have now reached this point, and now you need to discuss peace with me on my terms. He doesn't need to go beyond a particular place from the south, because from the south, to go upwards and to cut off uh, or, or, or to cut off uh, uh, Ukraine is a very long logistic problem. So he's done what he had to do, create his shallow bridgeheads, keep there and allow the balance of his forces to collapse. I feel Karthik at the present moment, uh, the Russians may have used only 30,000 to 40,000 troops. Remember, they have 190,000 troops encircling Ukraine. So, And they've used only, say, 10 to 15% of those troops. Any specific reason for that as to why they have used only a part of the troop and not all of it at the same time? You In, in battle, you never use utilize all the troops. You utilize them phase-wise. So when you distribute your forces phase-wise, he had distributed his forces phase-wise. And in phase-wise, they would have had a phase one plan. That phase one plan is not complete. And that is why he said, now I need to talk to you. After that, his second, during his second phase, he will use not the balance of resources because he will keep his reserves out of the way. So he will utilize, say, 40 to 50% of what he has uh, to further encircle the capital or to encircle important cities. 
but still as i say he will still keep almost 30% of his reserves outside the battle to make sure that he can deal with any unforeseen issues that might arise so completely from a military perspective the sort of help which is being extended to ukraine which is like eu jets javelin missiles uh, javelin anti tank missiles are they enough to counter the russian armor and i know you know that you know it first hand yeah kartik see th- there is one thing called ammunition and the other thing is using the ammunition and and the troops that are available for it you can have any number of uh, any number of weapon systems and ammunition uh, given to the ukrainian forces but if the ukrainian forces can't use them or simply don't have the ability or the training to utilize those weapons then those weapons will actually fall in the hands of the russians this is this is not the time to give weapons to the ukrainian army if weapons had been had to be given to the ukrainian army they should have been given a year ago when they were sure that there will be an invasion of ukraine the ukrainian army should have practiced on them they should have utilized them but giving it to them at this particular moment means nothing as far as eu jets are concerned i really have my doubts uh, kartik the russians have a formidable air force and by now they have a favorable air situation over over ukraine so favorable air situation means that they are not going to allow any movement of any any hostile air force over the capital of uh, ukraine if that happens firstly will the eu jets engage the russian air force in battle that's an answer only the eu can do if they engage the russian forces in battle it will mean that the entire eu is at war with russia that it simply doesn't make sense to me so all in all kartik the weapon system the movement of of weapons ammunition at this moment makes no sense because if the capital will be cut off then how do they get these to the ukrainian forces and how will the ukrainian forces then break into kyiv is something that i just can't uh, i can't fathom uh, sir you know if you look at the uh, uh, the western narrative uh, in context of the coverage Uh, yeah. it has primarily uh, primarily focused on this civilian resistance uh, if you look at the papers and the video clips which are available you know people have actually gone on record to say that two days back they were handed over advanced weapons like ak47 or uh, pistols or other sort of weapons and number of them said that you know they have you know they 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 are they aren't even the reservists but they want to fight for the country no the, the focus is on civilian resistance so my question is twofold is civilian resistance possible in context of uh, urban warfare and secondly uh, how mount, mindful putin is going to be of the grozny affair where the russians entered grozny and the hunter killer squads uh, killed hundreds of russian soldiers in 3 months okay a uh, kartik see when you are talking of civilian resistance you are actually talking of a point at which the ukrainian army has finished completely it's only then that civilians can go and defend secondly this defense by civilians can take place once the russians enter the cities and there is a street to street building by building fight that 
if you remember and take your take your mind to uh, world war 2 is what happened in uh, kiev and what happened in stalingrad and in leningrad during world war 2 it was a street by street building by building battle in this case he has not entered the cities he is just on the outskirts he is putting his tanks he is putting in mobile elements he is putting in mechanized elements and he is rushing to isolate and cut off kiev from all sides once that happens karthik and he's outside the issue what will the civilians do if they don't enter the cities and imagine civilian usage or civilian war fighting or using civilian is the situation of last resort has ukraine reached the reached the last resort if they use the use reached the last resort then the battle is lost anyway so i feel that there is a particular narrative that the western media wants to give that narrative is that russia is an evil empire they are out to kill all of you and here this is what we plan to do that means the entire ukraine is going to fight and that putin may have miscalculated but the battle has not reached that point for miscalculation he is at only phase 1 these are just the first four first four days i feel that he never intended to finish the battle in the first four days he intended to reach where he reached and he intended to carry out what he calls our ceasefire talks and let's see what happens in this ceasefire talks where and what ukraine agrees but his end point is that ukraine should not be an, in in nato and that ukraine must except the fact that they are a part of the russian security system you know you are saying that uh, putin has not reached where he intended to may not but if you remember reached, but the thing was that did putin and i don't know putin's mind did putin ever think and i as a military man definitely never thought that kiev would fall in one day or two days so when he contacted the outer defenses of kiev on the 26th uh late 26 night what would be the first thing that an, that that an armored corps commander would do he would never enter inside he would always be outside because he's armored armor doesn't enter cities and he would be his job would be cut off cave that's all and that is how when you look at the movement of these forces from uh, chernobyl that is from the east or and from uh, the north they are just moving towards kiev that's all and telling uh, uh, the, the the ukrainian uh, defense system or the ukrainian army that look once we isolated and invested your capital you simply have no chance to survive so you know uh, they, they, i don't know whether you agree to it uh, with this or not Uh, the joke is that the Putin has killed German pacifism and Swedish neutrality <laughs> in one single stroke, right. and revived NATO, which Macron was calling brain dead. That's right. That that I entirely agree, Karthik. Uh, that is this miscalculation. He never thought that NATO would get its act together. He never thought that Germany, which which had sworn off weapons and armies, would ever. think of doubling their uh, allotment of defense of a defense budget uh so that he's definitely done he definitely 
you know made the Swedes sit up and look at rearming themselves. That he's definitely done. He'd also made uh, he may have his economy may have got hit in much worse situation than he earlier had thought that he would get hit. His uh, the ruble has fallen by almost forty percent. But are these temporary issues or are they permanent issues? What if he were to end the war by tonight or tomorrow? And what if he achieved what he had set out to achieve? There is also a narrative card book that he has been telling his troops that the Ukrainians are fellow Slavs. This is something that I read yesterday that he has written an essay in 2014 or 15 where he calls the Ukrainians and the Russians as one people but two nations. What if they, they don't attack the cities? What if they don't kill the people? What if they had only targeted what they wanted to target, reached where they wanted to, and now that they decide, okay, let's, let's call a ceasefire? What happens then? Will you continue to hit Russia the way they want? Would Russia have achieved what they had to? These are questions we need to ask. Is that what did Russia want to achieve? Complete victory in three days, four days? There's not a chance. So obviously, this, this had a different perspective to Putin. And his perspective to my mind was that look, let the world not think that Russia, the Russian armed forces don't have the capabilities. Uh, you, you, you know, sorry, you know, I'm butting in. You know, you, you said there has to be a plan. Every military action has a political objective. Yes. You know, if, if you go through all the Western newspapers, it looks as if, you know, Putin is high on heroin and he has no political <laughs> objective. So, you know, th this is this is something, you know, what was the joke? That the global leaders have turned comedian and a comedian has become a leader. <laughs> so there's a public resonance for uh, Zelensky. There, there is no doubt about that. Uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, sir, that for the first time in India, you have more people talking about a Ukrainian leader than India-Russia relationship. So some, something is turning uh, in terms of popular sentiment because we are a democracy. But Saying that, is he going to meet his political objective and the whole world is going to stand away from him? See, Karthik, that's, that's something that I've been trying to work out. What could be his military objective? And if that military objective is reached, then what could he be aiming at? The Western media wants us to think that Putin's military objective was the destruction of Kiev. And that Putin has failed because he did not expect so much Ukrainian resistance. If you look at the points at which he has touched, and Karthik, if you look at the maps, you will see that none of his forces have hit headlong into any strong point. They have bypassed and they've moved quickly towards the capital. And they're outside the capital. They may be on the outer suburb, but they're outside the capital. So, if his military objective was exactly what they've done, then what could be his political objective? What did he aim to achieve? His aim was, one, tell Ukraine that you cannot do this to Russia, to Mother Russia. You're a part of the Russian security system. That's the first thing he, he wants to tell Ukraine. 
and Ukraine might just accept that. Secondly, when Ukraine accepts that, he's achieved his purpose. He's also taken away, if you remember, in the first, first day of the war itself, the two breakaway republics. He's also done that, the Donetsk Republic and the Luhansk Republic. I mean, they, these are two districts or republics or uh, dissident provinces that he has now uh, said that you are, uh, you know, you are independent uh, republics. So, what his idea was, Karthik, and you have to look at what he started with. And when he he engaged and what did he tell us in, in his last speech? He said, NATO promised that they would not come eastward. And you have come eastward. You took Germany, when Germany reunited East Germany and complete Germany became a NATO uh, a country where, where, uh, which is, you know, a NATO ally. Then you came into Poland. Then you came and you decided to come inside. You took all the Baltic republics. And then you decided that even you, you, you need to take Ukraine. He says, Ukraine is my red line. You can't come inside. So if he said that, and that's what happens in the end. That Ukraine is a red line and people say, okay, Ukraine will be neutral. Then he's achieved what he wants to achieve. Uh, you know, uh, the first question which I asked you about the nuclear deterrence, the reason why I'm coming back to it is that uh, when he says that the forces are on high alert, uh, it means that if the forces are not on alert, then the nuclear order may not go through because things are not connected because it's not as if the president says fire nuclear missile the missile gets fired there is a procedure americans have refused to put it at that level whereas russians have ensured that if the instruction goes through for fire it gets fired and if in in and in, 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 in if any eventuality if putin is not there nuclear command is still actionable why has america not met that uh, preparedness? I feel that uh, it's a very wise thing that the US has done. Uh, they do not want to risk a nuclear war. They do not want to give any kind of excuse for the launch of nuclear weapons. But as I told you in the beginning, Kartik, all Russian mobile and mechanized formations carry tactical nuclear weapons with them. The idea is that wherever the Russian forces are, these nuclear weapons are with the forces. And finally, of course, uh, it, the launch of nuclear weapons is a very, very, very big thing, a very huge escalation, which is unlikely in this particular moment. But don't, but also keep in mind, Karthik, that the Russians have the thermobaric, thermobaric bomb also, which is the largest bomb, less Though, uh, less uh, the nuclear weapons. You, the U.S., if you remember, has used it in the in, in Afghanistan. Could the Russians use it in uh, Ukraine? But once again, I go back to what Putin has said that uh, Ukraine and Russia are one people. So, if he looks at them as one people, they will, he will not attack the civilian population. And that's what the Western media wants us to believe, that they are attacking the civilian population. But they're not attacking the civilian population. They're not hitting the civil population at all. So these are the issues, Karthik, which I feel that we need to clarify. We need to be clear. 
that uh, at the moment i feel the russian military and the armed forces have achieved exactly what they set out to achieve and now they pause for phase 2 phase 2 might come in one day two days three days four days uh, it is dependent upon the political situation and what putin wants to achieve sir is uh, phase 2 going to include uh, black sea you know black sea in 70s 60s used to be the russian backwater but now you have american forces uk forces ships actually patrolling the black sea do you think that this war will have an impact on that also i think that's what's going to be discussed kartik i think that putin has got clear point which he's giving to the west about what his red lines are and uh, definitely the black sea is a part of his attack that is why he took crimea the whole idea of taking crimea and the port of odessa was this particular reason as you as you you know if you take your mind to the map he has taken the port of odessa the odessa is under him now so and it's the port from where uh, the black sea actually which which opens up into the black sea and snake island has been taken If you remember, Karthik, that the first time uh, President Zelensky said that all fifteen of the Ukrainians were killed on Snake Island, that uh, narrative has proved to be false. All the Ukrainians there are are prisoners of war and not been killed. So there is, you know, truth is the first casualty in any war. The Russians are not clarifying. There is, a, you know, there are there are different narratives for different reasons. and we have to cut as you said the clutter from these narratives because the moment you start cutting the clutter and you see military objectives then you realize what what militarily they have set out to achieve and why truth is important and why it is important for us to analyze each point and see exactly what the russian armed forces are doing you know i i asked this question also the last time around and you deferred with me but i will ask it again does it put any pressure on india's military commitment to defend its border the sort of development which has taken place in ukraine i don't think kartik these are two connected issues in fact i would go to the point at which it's also the coherence of the western uh, you know how quickly the western world has come together to punish russia economically is also aimed at china that look we can do this to russia we can unhinge the russian economy and if you do something in taiwan or anywhere else we can unhinge your economy too so i think it's more aimed uh, the russian the western world response the economic response the sanctions are more aimed at china than anywhere else as far as india is concerned kartik uh, we are looking at our northern borders we are protecting our own northern borders and this has no comparison to what the situation that we are facing hello I think there's a bit of connectivity. Yes, there's a bit of a lag. So there's there's a bit of a lag on your part. I actually failed to unmute my mic, so that's my mistake. 
can you just uh, you know speak for the last one minute? I was not able to hear it properly. There was a lag the, on my phone. The the swift response of the Western world uh, is clearly aimed at China. Also, the, what they are trying to tell China is that if you take unilateral action in Taiwan or across the Indian Ocean or across the Pacific Ocean. Then we have the capability to unhinge your economy, and see what we have done in Russia. We, the 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 Western economic power, is such that they have declared the Russian economy as junk. They have unilaterally removed Russia from every economic issue, including the transfer of money. So if that happens. Then your economy, because if you can't transfer money and you can't exchange what you have, then nobody can simply trade with you. So I think the Western response is aimed at China. As far as India is concerned, India is defending her land. We have a problem with China on our northern borders, but we are defending it's our land. So there is no comparison to what we are faced. What we are facing with against China on our northern border, and what Ukraine is facing with Russia, there is no comparison. Okay, let me take back uh, you know the conversation back to the uh, the European context. There is an attempt to put Russian missiles in Belarus. Now, Russians tried that during Cuba, and you know that the Bay of Pigs crisis brought the world close to a Nuclear war. war. Yeah. Now, Yes. Now, if that happens, if the Russians put their missiles in Belarus militarily, what do you expect? Nothing, Karthik. Because if you remember, the Warsaw Pact countries or the Soviet Union had their missiles in these places. They had it in Ukraine. Ukraine has so many missile sites, and so also they had in Belarus. They had in East Germany. the The comparison of the Bay of Pigs. Or what happened in Cuba would be more in what the NATO countries were planning to do in Ukraine, and that's what Putin said. He says, "If you come so close to my mainland and you bring your missiles there, then I have no option. Just as the Americans had no option but to push the Russians out of Cuba. So I thought the comparison was there." And not with Russian missiles coming into Belarus, because Belarus is a friendly country to Russia, and they even might intervene with troops in Ukraine. So I don't see the issue here. Okay, you know, let me take you to the issue of technology. You know, uh, the Thomas Friedman said that what information came from uh, Ukraine in six hours was something which they would get in a week. When uh, the Gulf War took place, now everyone is actually uh, covering the war. The people who are there are the are not only the reporters, but they are the consumers of the information and the, the producers of the information. So, for example, uh, the armored vehicle intrusion of Russians into Ukraine was actually detected by the Google because they showed that there is a traffic jam, and now the Google uh, map services are uh, suspended. You know, yes, suspended, suspended for some time. So, you know, the Google, the technologies like Facebook, Google. Uh, 4G technologies have completely changed the shape of the war. So, in your opinion, 
is it adding to the resistance or does it provide more lethality to the aggressor? Karthik, I'll again go back to the issue of resistance. Resistance can happen once the Russians start having to fight city by city, town by town. That's when resistance of small of civilians will start. And that's what people are talking about, the issue about uh, you know, an insurgency once the Russians have taken over Ukraine. But if it's not their aim to take over Ukraine, their aim is to change the government or to, to, to make Ukraine accept that they are a part of the Russian security system. In that case, this will just not happen. So I, I'm a little, you know, little skeptical about this use of the, of the word of uh, of resistance but when you talk about uh, technology and you talk about google i am entirely in, in 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 agreement with you but what is it done rakati you heard the old phrase about the elephant and how different people touched the elephant in different places and decided what it was you heard that isn't it kartik hello hello yes yeah. Yes. You heard the issue about how people interpreted the elephant based on which part of the elephant they touched. So similar is the situation that is happening in the Russian-Ukraine war. There is a information about an armored column coming here. Now we have no clue and neither has the person taking that photograph or reporting it that an armored column has come here. What is the reason why it's come? Where is it going? What is it going to do? That we don't know. We only know that an armored column or a tank or, or something has come to this particular place. But the entire strategy of what Putin is planning to achieve or what the Russian is planning to achieve is simply not known. So it becomes the issue about the elephant that whoever touching one part says this is happening. But in reality, they don't know the entire picture. So I Sir, feel it may be actually confusing us. All the little okay. dots that are there maybe actually confusing us. So if militarily, if Belarusians, they become part of the war, does it change things? See, Russians have already 190,000 troops that they amassed on this border uh, against Ukraine. Uh, and if Belarus does, of course, it gives, as it is, the Russians have a firm base inside Belarus. As it is, they have that. With the additional troops that Belarus might bring in, of course, it gives more firepower, gives more capability, it gives more flexibility to the Russian forces operating in, and planning to carry out their, uh, their, their, their campaign. There's no doubt about it. Do you feel that, uh, you know, this, uh, there's a, there was a book uh, which was written, The Russians in Africa, the Russian mercenaries in Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, is it correct to say that... Uh, the fact that the Russians have become so brazen in Ukraine is also part and parcel of the uh, Russian experience to reassert itself what they enjoyed when Soviet Union was in power, something which they feel they have been deprived of from the high table of power. I think that's a difficult question. A conversation in which you told me yes. that in Pakistan, a Russian ambassador could not meet a Pakistani president for... Uh, Six months, if I am not correct, sir. That's what uh, you told me. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. But, you know, Karthik, these are... 
there are so many narratives right now that it's difficult to come to the exact truth here uh the exact truth would be and we we should look at the military campaign as saying that this is the pause after phase 1 and whether they are brazen not brazen whether they are looking at regaining the the warsaw pact countries or regaining the union of soviet socialist republics or rewriting history uh, one is not clear i also read yuval hariri's article today which said uh, that putin has miscalculated and that he has uh, you know he has brought in a new nationalism amongst the ukrainians uh, and that he will regret it because he's also you know militarizing europe so one doesn't know it's just too early to come up with the exact plan but since i have operated with the russian armed forces all i can say is they're highly professional very very capable and they have been carrying out uh, this kind of practice this kind of drilling for a long time and they put their campaign in motion uh, it it take a few more weeks before we know exactly what they had in plan i don't know if the russian would ever share that but uh, exactly what their plan was and how do we sort of go about it but at the moment kartik and cutting out that letter uh, this is only the pause after phase 1 so That's so it. to you to use the word to cut the clutter so this is a propaganda that the russians would have you know russians wanted victory in 3 days no, that's a western no, propaganda nobody can nobody can think of victory in 3 days it's not possible a modern army simply cannot uh cannot dismiss uh you know your any any army and especially ukraine is a very large country you can't do it in 3 days you would be looking at a far larger frame much much larger frame i i don't think that any army would have told their president that we'll get you victory in 3 days it's not not a chance in 3 days 4 days it's just phase 1 that's all that means what we did even in bangladesh that we first if you take your mind back to 1971 we first established firm bases all along the frontiers and the borders of uh, east pakistan and from there we planned looking at the gaps as to which gaps we would utilize to go there we never hit a single strong point and that's exactly what the russians are doing too they've established strong points they're not looking at the gaps and they've contacted the capital I can't think of any other achievement in uh, in three days or four days. So, what do you expect the Russians to do now in terms of uh, military exercise? Would you expect them to use more air power now? I feel that the Russian air force will continue to try and get them an a favorable air situation. That means dominate the skies over Ukraine, prevent. the ukraine air force from flying completely uh that would be their aim if that happens they will be able to isolate ukraine from the rest of the world and what sort of uh, action you feel that the russian navy would be involved in now from the black Similar sea apart from bombing uh, cut off the black sea definitely cut off the black sea that means isolate ukraine from the south so you are of the view 
that uh, the posturing in terms of the uh, nuclear deterrence is only to give a signal that uh, hands off ukraine hands off ukraine yeah. i think that's the bottom line yeah that's the bottom line so uh, in a concluding statement uh, let me ask you they have taken a pause you predicted a pause yeah. the conversation we had uh, 48 hours before and the pause has happened yeah. so now with the pause there are two questions if the pause happens what do you expect the russians to do if the pause does not happen will they ratchet up the level of violence there in ukraine okay now let's go to the next step this pause was a logistic pause and a tactical pause okay and i said that they have now contacted the outer defenses of kiev the capital they've also contacted the outer defenses of two to three more large cities will the russian army now go inside to fight a pitched battle or will they stay outside my personal opinion is that the russian army and their armed forces and their armored columns will not enter the cities they might enter certain outskirts to cut off people from coming in or going out but other than that they will do nothing more now the third point is just as ukraine is training or wanting its civilians to enter into a pitch battle with the russian forces russians also have irregular troops they also have special forces they also have the spetsnaz so maybe in phase 2 they might use the spetsnaz they might use irregular forces to go inside and cause as much damage as they can they are aiming at the destruction of the ukrainian command and control structure and like i said the last time uh, karthik once the command and control structure is destroyed then the ukrainian conventional military capability to counter the russians comes to an end and i can't for one believe that the russians are so foolish as to think that they can carry out a street by street fight i think that's just uh, Uh, no professional army would want to do that really? so are you saying that they have not been able to destroy the command and control structure in kiev or I, I they are just waiting is, yeah. to take a final push or to take you know to take a final political view before a military action i think that this destruction of their command and control would be in phase 2 and 3 it's too early uh plus the fact is that the technology that is available uh president zelensky will always be available to 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 give out his points of view so i think that if uh, i think that if things don't go russia's way uh, he will keep his armed forces or his armored columns outside the cities but allow his irregular forces to go inside and create create mayhem in cities and that would be as difficult uh, as fighting civilians would be for a conventional if i have to say that uh, if we look at the war in afghanistan the war in fallujah uh, the war in mosul uh, the sort of armor which the american used and the f- uh, and the firepower which they used uh, in iraq and syria is 
is far different and greater than what the Russia is Absolutely. using. Like for example, Maybe mother of all time. bombs. Yeah, the 10 times more than that. Yeah, Russians don't get away with their light arms and nuclear armor, but the Americans got away with every big bomb in their arsenal. Absolutely. Is it a perception issue? It's a perception issue. It's a perception issue. So can you please elaborate as to why Russians are not using those heavy weapons which are available to them, like which all the TV I, I, channels are showing, father of all bombs, vis-a-vis -vis mother of all bombs? Because as per the Putin's thought process, Karthik, the Ukrainians are and the Russians are one people. You know, he will not allow his armed forces to kill the Ukrainian civilians. That I'm absolutely certain about. Because he's written clearly about the fact that these are, we are related to each other. And we are one people. Ukraine and Russia have stood shoulder to shoulder in the Second World War. There are two many good memories and two deep bonds for the Russian armed forces to be, you know, uh, targeting the civilians there. He will not use a nuclear arsenal. He will not use his larger weapon systems, he will use it to degrade the Ukrainian army, but definitely not degrade anything inside Ukraine, uh, any civilian structures. Uh, sir, I, uh, am I audible to you? You're audible now, yeah. Okay. You know, military action is always supported by propaganda. Yeah. And this is if exactly that's the what is happening. You're right. It has to be. Propaganda. Yeah. But in terms of propaganda, mm -hmm. Zelensky seems to be scoring a little higher than Putin. Why? Because he's got the Western world with him. So they're helping him take his message out. Can Putin be averse to that view? Because ultimately it's narrative. Even if you look at the conversation in the Indian cities, for the first time, you'll be very surprised to find that we have people in India supporting Zelensky and not Putin. Yes, Karthik, because Russia doesn't control the narrative. The narrative is controlled by the Western powers. And therefore, they have extended this narrative to Zelensky. So, uh, that's the issue. The issue about uh, the information war is that the information war has always been with the Western powers. Their media and their ability to uh, manipulate the media is simply too large and too big for anyone to think that they can counter it. Definitely not the Russians. And my last question to you, uh, General Chauhan, is the sort of narrative built around uh, the Ukrainian war that there will be a civil resistance and a very powerful civil resistance against the Russian army. Is it possible? Karthik, of course, everything is possible. Of course, uh, if Russians were to start entering their, their, their cities and start destroying their homes, then of course there will be civil resistance. I mean, you just have to take your mind back to 70 years ago, or 75 years ago, or 80 years back in 46, in 43, 44, when the uh, Ukrainians in the Battle of Kiev and the Russians in the Battle of Stalingrad fought, uh, fought shoulder to shoulder, building to building, street to street. So that, that uh, I have read the battles extensively. I'm certain the Russians have read this battle and imbibed all the possible lessons from it. That's simply not the way uh, Russia would like to fight this war.
so uh, since you know uh, the the bloodiest battles are fought in city and i can say that when i traveled from damascus via Pal- palmyra to aleppo and i landed in aleppo in night uh it 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 was like as if you know i have entered hell you know i saw Absolutely. destroyed town Absolutely. and for 5 kilometers uh, sir i could see nothing uh, but destroyed houses and the barks of the dog and then i went to an area when there was a light and that was an area you know where reconstruction was taking place yeah. so the hellish environment of an urban warfare is uh, something which uh, should never happen again so I, can I we doubt, say that yeah i doubt whether really really doubt whether the russian would do anything inside anything like that in ukraine so really are you doubt. saying are you saying that those urban to urban warfares where the holes between three to four apartments yes. so the snipers can move so the, in the whole buildings are weaponized I, I don't think will that not kind take of battle can be fought are you saying that the russians are not yeah, going to fight I that battle i don't think so because putin has said extensively in all the time that the russians and ukrainians are one people and uh, that part i'm i'm certain the orders have gone to the russian army but uh, this is not the way you'll do it you will not mm-hmm. engage the civilians okay anyway i've kept you too long because my uh, the time i sought <laughs> from you was 45 minutes it has crossed that thank you so much uh, thank you so much sir uh, for this uh, conversation because uh, ultimately there are two things when it comes to ukrainian conflict you know one is about uh, the foreign policy in terms of why russia is doing it and one is to understand what is actually happening on the ground why russians are doing what they are doing uh, what sort of you know the equipments they have deployed and to cut through the clutter of the narrative and i'm not using the word eastern narrative western narrative the russian narrative but a dominant narrative uh, and and a narrative which does not tell the whole truth uh, and i think the conversation which i had with you was able to cut through it and i hope you know i get more time with you in future uh, and i really hope that there is a resolution in context really of the talks so. which are t- taking place and i hope there are no nuclear uh, missiles yeah. you know placed in belarus because it's going to change the dimension and to yes absolutely and to our viewers you know we'll be back again uh, on this issue and obviously uh, general chohan is going to be with me on this thank you so much sir and thank you all of you uh, for becoming part of this conversation in sabat thank you so much thank you very much thank you thank you sir bye